Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning now and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to spend a few moments this morning fleshing out and finishing the message that we started last week entitled, No Resurrection. We need to understand the power of the resurrection, and that's the purpose of this message. Maybe you heard the story about the young man who just started a new job, and a few days into it, he said to his boss, my grandmother died, and I need off tomorrow afternoon to go to her funeral. So the boss said, of course, no problem. When he came back to work the next morning, the boss said, do you believe the dead will rise again? The young man said, absolutely. He said, well, that's good because your grandma came by here looking for you while you were at a funeral. Thank you. I just got nothing out of my wife when I told her that joke, so thanks for those gratuitous laughs. I appreciate that. We're going to read this scripture in segments uh, as we talk about each one of them. We're going to read verses 12 and 13 as we start, 1 Corinthians 15. But if it is preached that Christ has raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Father, we pray this morning that you'd bless and anoint the Word of God. Touch hearts and touch lives with truth and with reality. Bring conviction and bring change to those in this room this morning. We pray it in your name. Amen. As I mentioned last week, Paul is addressing a heresy that's floating through the Corinthian church. He's, they've been convinced and being taught, now that Paul is gone, that Jesus really didn't rise from the dead. So Paul wants them to understand if there is no resurrection from the dead, that's the absolute worst thing that could happen for all of us. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope. If there is no resurrection, there is no better for today and hope for tomorrow. If there is no resurrection... We're still slaughtering bulls and goats to plead the blood over our lives and ask God to forgiveness if there is no resurrection. Know what Paul said in these verses, and we're going to talk about these each one. If there is no resurrection, then preaching is useless. If there is no resurrection, then faith is futile. If there is no resurrection, then sin is in control. And if there is no resurrection, Christ is dead. The notes for this message are on the church app. I encourage you to go there and follow along. When we start thinking about the resurrection, we recognize it is the hinge upon which the door of the kingdom of God swings. The resurrection is that focal point, centerpiece, anchor that enables us to believe there is a better tomorrow awaiting those who know Jesus Christ. Let's look at the first thing he said, without the resurrection... Preaching is useless. I kind of chuckled at that because sometimes I feel the same way. Sometimes it feels like we're declaring God's word, but it's just falling over at the end of the platform. It's not making its way to your hearts and to your lives. I'm reminded of the guy who told his boss, I'm quitting because God has called me to preach. Two weeks later, he came back asking for his job back. And the man said, well, I thought God called you to preach. He said, well, that was before he heard me preach. Sometimes we're in that same position, aren't we? Sometimes I think preaching is kind of useless because we have a problem hearing and listening. 
And on top of that, we have a problem applying and doing God's Word. So many times we only hear what we want to hear and do what we want to do. You understand that, right? That's human nature. And we need to understand that the Word of God can be preached, but unless it falls on fertile hearts, it's useless. That's why Jesus gave us the parable of the sower and the four types of soil represented. We need to be the good soil that receives the Word of God and its seed, and then as a result grows and bears fruit. That's God calling for you and I. Yet so often in the church we hear nothing, we say nothing, and we do nothing. Even though the Word is preached with anointing and with power, we remain unmoved. We are not very good doers of the Word. And the point of preaching is to motivate us to do what the Word of God declares. But if we don't do what God declares, if we don't change as God desires, then preaching is in fact to us useless. And it means nothing if there is no resurrection from the dead. So Paul said all preaching is useless if there is no resurrection. Secondly, he said if there's no resurrection, then our faith is futile. Let's look at verses 14 through 17 from our text. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Did you hear it? If Christ is not risen, if there is no resurrection, your faith is futile. It's empty. It's useless. It's of no value. We need to understand how clear Paul makes this text. In Christianity, everything we are, everything we receive, everything we hope for is acquired by faith. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. For we must know that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If our faith is futile, there is no hope for tomorrow. There is no help coming today. If our faith is futile, there is no change happening in me. And Paul said, if there is no resurrection, then your faith is futile, it's empty, it's useless, it has no value. You see, he's trying to tell us that our faith in Jesus Christ should make a difference in our lives. I can't count the number of times I've said this, but I'm going to say it again. If you're the same person you were last year, last month, last week, yesterday, something's wrong in your life. Because a whole journey is making us more like Jesus, bringing us into confirmation with His will, His Word, His mind at work within us. And it all requires faith to achieve those purposes. But without the resurrection, Paul said, faith is futile. We have to understand faith pleases God. In fact, as I already said, without faith it's impossible to please Him. So since faith makes everything operate in the realm of the Spirit, shouldn't we be people of faith? Everything we have originates from faith. Everything we are flows from faith. Every blessing, every promise comes by faith to the believer. 
You see, faith is relying on and believing in God's provision rather than our own. It's believing that in any situation, God is able. It's knowing nothing is impossible with Him. Faith declares, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Faith shouts from the mountaintops, there is nothing too hard for me. We need to be operating and living in faith, but without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. The King James says it this way, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The Amplified says this way, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope. Everything, Paul said in Romans 14, that is not of faith is sin. Faith is essential, and without the resurrection, faith is futile. So think about it. What does faith provide to us? Think for just a moment. Number one, it provides a doorway to forgiveness, the opportunity to receive salvation. Faith provides eternal life. Faith provides courage and power to live in this evil generation. Faith provides direction and peace in our hearts and lives. Faith brings love and hope and provision. Faith is the entrance through which the presence of God walks into our lives. And that way we can declare everyone who believes in Him overcomes the world. John said it this way in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Even our faith overcomes the world. So when we think about it, if faith is futile, what are we doing here? Aren't we just wasting our time? But if we know the resurrection is real, then we know faith is real. If we know Jesus is no longer lying in a tomb in Jerusalem, but rose on the third day, then you and I can stand in this place and ask Him and believe Him for anything. If we know the resurrection is real, then there are no limits, no boundaries on or over our lives. We live in the place and the position that my God can do anything at any time. All that I need is to believe Him. We need to understand that faith is not futile. Faith is real because of the resurrection. Number three, Paul said, if there is no resurrection, then sin controls. Look at verse 17 one more time. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. What is he saying? He's saying that sin is still in control of our lives outside of the resurrection. We look around us, and we can see in our world and our culture today that there is no belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because sin, in fact, does control. Sin, in fact, does dominate. Sin, in fact, does destroy. And we see it happening around us every single day. Culture is on the fast road to hell. And the only remedy, the only way out is through Jesus Christ and His resurrection. You don't have to be uh, someone who's in tune to all the events of daily life to know and understand that our culture is in bad shape. Our culture is in terrible shape. It's a bad thing when the administration, our president's administration, says we want to endorse gender uh, dysphoria for young boys and girls. It's crazy. That makes no sense. It shows a sin is in control. 
We need to understand that it's crazy when a man can say, I'm a woman, and swim with the women and win the gold medal and everybody applauds. That's nuts. Sin is in control. Come on, folks, wake up. The only hope for this nation and the world is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only remedy for the sin that we see around us is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you were offended by those last statements. Good, you should be. Because it's time to wake up and realize culture is not aligned with God's Word. Culture is against the Word of God and doing everything it possibly can to steal the truth of God's Word from the hearts and the lives of believers. Don't go down the slippery slope with culture. It's time to stand firm. It's time to declare again. There are two genders. God made them male and female. There's not 63 or 64. When God assigned a gender before you were born, he knew who you would be and what you would be. Why are you trying to improve on God's plan? It's impossible. You can't improve on God's plan. Someone says, yeah, but you don't understand. I do understand. You are sin sick. Satan has got a hold of your mind and your heart and your spirit and convinced you these lies. So that's pretty strong. It should be pretty strong in every pulpit in America. It's time for the church to stand up and declare this is not true, it's lies, and it leads to damnation and hell. Leads to the destruction of that individual. If there is no resurrection, then sin controls. Father Dwight Longnecker wrote it this way. First we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, and finally... We persecute those who call it evil. That's the exact road our society is on today. We need to wake up and realize in America, our leaders are off the right path. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. They all are believing the same lies from the pit of hell. Pray for righteousness to again arise in our capital. For men's hearts to be turned and lives changed. You remember the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15? Of course you do. It's a story of a young man who comes of age and he says to his wealthy father, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. Sounds like some folks I know. How about you? Give me what's due me now. So he took it. And the Bible says he squandered his inheritance, wasteful living. I guess you could say he indulged himself with wine, women, and song. And he found himself in the pig pen at the end. He had sins of the flesh that led him away from his father. But the prodigal son wasn't the only one who sinned in this story. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the older brother. He didn't leave the house. I understand that. He didn't ask for anything in advance. I understand that. But what he did was totally self-righteous and indignant. He saw himself as holier, as better than his brother. And as a result, he became angry. And he too sinned in his anger. And his sin was not a sin of the flesh, it was a sin of disposition. And sometimes the sin of disposition, our attitudes, our heart, our mind, are far worse than sins of the flesh because it's harder to break those cycles. 
It's harder to overcome those thought patterns. That's why Paul was insistent that we be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's only as our mind is renewed that sins of disposition are moved out of our life. Romans chapter 7. Paul laments the fact that he is a sinful man. He goes on and on, and he finally wraps it up in the end of that passage, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He ends that chapter on a very, very low note. He ends that chapter making us feel like, maybe there's no hope for me either. But you need to remember there are no chapter divisions in the original manuscripts. Translators put those in. So you need to understand, Paul went from Romans 8, 24 and 25, O willful man, who will deliver me from this body of death, to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where he said, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ made me free from the law of sin and death. How do we overcome it? How do we get past sin controlling? We submit to the Spirit of God. We let the Word of God convict us and change us and we follow him there is hope because of the resurrection but if there is no resurrection from the dead we're accountable we're accountable i want you to hear it again we are accountable there is a resurrection so we are accountable every one of us will stand before the lord there's three judgments the bible outlines the first is the Bema Seat Judgment, where you and I as born-again believers stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we give account for what we have done that He has given us after we became believers. He said, there are some that have gold and silver that will endure. There are some that have their works of wood, hay, and stubble that will burn up. Doesn't mean your salvation is compromised. It means that anything you did that wasn't in His name by His power for His glory is compromised. Secondly, there's a judgment of the sheep and the goats, where it separates true believers from false. You remember the story. They said, but Lord, Lord, we've done many things in your name. We've cast out demons. We've healed the sick. And yet he still said, depart from me. I never knew you. The third judgment is called the great white throne judgment. It's a judgment of every person on the planet through the ages who never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That judgment has nothing to do with sealing their fate that's already been determined. That judgment pronounces the sentence. And that sentence is eternal life in hell's fires. So please understand this morning, saying that sin controls is no excuse. There is a way out. There is hope. Because Jesus died and rose again, he conquered and defeated death, hell, and the grave. He overcome every obstacle that you and I face. And lastly, Tom, will you come back? Number four, if there is no resurrection, then Christ is dead. He made that very, very clear. Paul wrote it just that way. I remember hearing the story of a pastor who had booked a singing group called The Resurrection. But a huge snowstorm came in. And they were not able to get there, so we went out and posted on the church sign, the resurrection has been postponed. I don't think the word resurrection is going to be postponed. Look at verse 13 of our text. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ 
has been raised. If there's no resurrection, then everyone who has passed from death to life is gone. Even Christ did not rise again from the dead. Even he is dead and gone. But 1 Corinthians 15, 20, Paul wrote it this way. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who sleep. What does that mean? It means he's the example. He's the one we're following. We're going to see the same thing happen and occur in our lives. This old physical body, even though it dies, one day will rise again, just as Jesus rose again and came out of that tomb in Jerusalem. Matthew 28, you'll read the story of the ladies going to the graveyard early in the morning. The angel of the Lord said to them, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. And this is the line I always love to read. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. Oh, one of these days, this old physical body is going to perish. It's breaking down moment by moment, slowly decaying and dying. But I've got news for you. After they put me in the ground, there is coming a day when this old physical body is going to raise in resurrection power and be united with the spirit and the soul and live with the Lord forever and ever and ever because He is alive. He is alive. Raymond Lundquist said it this way, Easter is to our faith what water is to the ocean, what stone is to the mountain, what blood is to your body. It is the first and final word in the dictionary of God. It says that Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. We either believe the biblical record or we don't. See, there's no gray ground here. It's either... I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or I reject it all. You can't ride the fence on this one, folks. It's life or death. You have to make a choice. You have to make the determination. Years ago, when I was a young man, I had a friend diagnosed with terminal brain cancer at the age of 33. The doctors operated thinking they could give him maybe a few months, but he only survived three weeks. And then he elapsed, passed. During that time, he made this statement. I've never been afraid to die, but right now, all I want to do is live. All I want to do is live. And that brought home a truth to my mind I've carried ever since, that we are not in the land of the dying trying to make it to the land of the living. We are actually... Excuse me, let me rephrase that. We are not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We are actually in the land of the dying going towards the land of the living. At one point, should Christ delay his coming and should death knock at our door and we find ourselves transitioning from this life to the next life and make no mistake about it, there is a next life. The only thing to be determined is where you spend it. Whether you spend it with the Lord or where you spend it in hell with Satan and his demons. That's the only question to be determined. You will live forever. And the only way you will ever know true peace and contentment in this life is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because all of our fate ends in a six-foot hole in this life.
Every one of us come to that end. Doesn't matter how good we are. Doesn't matter how attractive we are. Doesn't matter how rich we are. Every one of us face that six foot hole. And the only thing that gives us any assurance when we're facing the reality of our own death is the fact that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. There is hope because of the resurrection. There is life because of the resurrection. There is tomorrow because of the resurrection. I can say that grave, it's not a dead end, but it's a thoroughfare. And it leads me straight into the presence of God. And one day, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise then we which are alive and together shall be caught up to meet him in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord all because of the resurrection stand your feet with me this morning Father now move in hearts and lives let fertile soil be prepared to receive the truth the power of your word I ask it in the name that stands above every name, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed across this room this morning. If you were to die today, you don't know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus. You don't have the assurance that he's forgiven your sins, that he's changed your life. And if death knocked on your door today, you very likely would find yourself in hell, not heaven. Because the only doorway to heaven is through the sacrifice, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only avenue to heaven is by asking him to forgive you of your sins, to become the Lord of your life, and to change you from this moment forward. So across this room this morning, online this morning, you don't know, you're not certain, you can't say, I know when I die. I'm going to be with Jesus. You don't have that assurance and certainty in your heart and your life. Today's your day. This is your opportunity to reach out and allow Him to change you and save you and forgive you. So I'm just, I'm talking to you this morning. This whole message has been for you today. It's encouraging to believers, but it's a challenge to those who don't know Christ. The Holy Spirit has been convicting you from the moment you stepped into this room. You don't really understand it. You don't understand what's happening inside of you. Holy Spirit is telling you it's time to repent. It's time to ask Jesus to forgive you. That's you. I just described you. Where you stand, lift that hand high. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus to come into my life. Lift it high. Lift it high. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Lift that hand high. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? So wait another moment. You want to join these three that said, I need Jesus in my life. I want my sins forgiven and my life radically changed by him. As I wait another moment, slip up the hand and hold it there. Those of you who raised your hand, I want you right now to be courageous. I want you to step out from where you're sitting and come. Our elders, our deacons, our pastors are going to meet you right here at the front. We're going to pray with you, pray for you, and God is going to do a work in your life. So if you raised your hand, step out and come right now. Don't wait for anybody else, but you come. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the entirety of your life. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your courage. 
Thank you for being willing to step out for Jesus. Yvonne, Ann, would you come and pray with this dear lady? Anyone else you want to join these that are coming this morning? You're here today, believer, and I'm going to challenge you. Come right on down, sir. Cal, would you come? Sheldon, would you come and pray with this gentleman, please? I'm going to challenge you to live in the power of the resurrection. That means allowing the Spirit of God to govern and control your life. That means being filled with this Holy Spirit every single day. If you're here this morning, you say, I want to live in that power. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. I'm going to ask you to do something that normally you don't do. I'm going to ask you to step out and come. I want to everybody who says, I want to live in the power of the resurrection every moment of every day to come this morning. Step out and come this morning. Let God move in your life. Let God move in your heart. Miss Diana, right over here, please. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, if you want to live in the power of the resurrection, step out and come this morning. We're going to pray. God's going to meet you. God's going to minister to you. He's going to infuse you with that resurrection power this morning. And this is the greatest opportunity to say, that's me. I want more of him. I want him to move in my life. I want him to do a great thing inside of me. I want to be that person that says, like the Apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. By the faith of the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Come on, let's allow God, Holy Spirit, to fill our hearts and to fill our lives this morning. Step out and come, it's your opportunity. Those of you who are praying with folks who uh, responded for first time salvation, Miss Young Joalas, would you slip over here on this side? When you're finished praying with them right there, lead them right over to Missy and Joali's and let's pray with them again in the green room. So do that, please, if you're praying with one of those four that responded. Throw your hands up high, whether you're in the altar or whether you're sitting in your seat. When we lift our hands, it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign that you are the Lord of my life. I accept you to rule and reign in me and over me. That's all it means. We're surrendering to God. We're surrendering to Him. Father, now in Jesus' name, you see the life represented in these upraised hands. You know the hearts of these people. You know the desires of your church. Lord, you know we want more of you. Lord, you know we desire revival. Lord, you know we ask for your spirit to come and fall upon us today. Fill every person with hands raised with the power of the Spirit of God. Holy Ghost, move in this room. Touch and change as you have ordained. Do your works in and through our lives today. Let the power of the resurrection, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, come alive in us today. Old habits are gone. Sins are being broken off. Frequent habits are falling by the wayside. Sins of our mouth and sins of our flesh and sins of our disposition are broken off right now. Satan, we serve notice. You have no longer any authority, no longer any control. These are born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled believers who are going to live and walk in the power of the Most High God. Do your works in us today. Do your works in us today, I pray. Spirit of God, flow in the lives of these people this morning. Minister life, minister hope, minister help in Jesus' name. 
made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.